Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Highly Functional. This is Brianne Showman, and I am joined today by Coach Walt Gonzalez. Walt and I had a great discussion about all things wellness related, but really dove into the topics of longevity, the mental aspect of training, and more specifically, how do we create better habits? Whether you are an athlete, a clinician, or a coach, I think you'll find this conversation highly valuable. So let's tune in. Walt, thank you for joining me today. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. It's Friday. It's sunny. No complaints. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm excited to talk to you. I've talked to one of your OCR athletes before, and she highly recommended you and getting on a getting on a podcast with you. So I'm excited about this. Um, But first and foremost, before we dive into the conversation, who are you? My name is Walt Gonzalez. I'm a kinesiology graduate, so I'm a degree in kinesiology, and I've owned my own personal training business for the last 18 years now, since 2007. Um, I have a team of 12 trainers that train at my facility, and uh, we do everything from post-rehab type of work with clients to bodybuilding, uh, some of my trainers that do that, and then other sports performance type of um, athletic training. Very cool. I love the kinesiology background with the personal training. Um, so many times we see personal trainers just get into it because they love fitness and that sort of thing and don't really have that background. Um, with the kinesiology background, how does that influence what you do, both you personally training uh, training as an athlete, but also working with your clients? I think a, a greater degree of understanding um, education and all the different prerequisites that you go through in order to establish your education has allowed me to add everything from psychology to biomechanics, anthropology, all these different understandings of the human being, um, have allowed me to be very successful as a personal trainer. Um, everything from I can hear somebody walking and I can tell which hip is longer than the other just by the stride and the way that the the foot is clicking against the ground and whatnot. And then you can test that by looking at their shoe pattern or their, the wear on the back of their shoe. And you can see that that hip is dragging a little bit. So they may be in need of a chiropractic adjustment um, and whatnot, and then kind of go from there. So I really love the, 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 the depth of education that I've been able to um, afford myself and how it, directly has influenced all the different areas of helping clientele and and then the psychology aspect of it as well too my first declared major was psychology and so I really enjoy applying uh, the art of manipulation and the art of influence onto my clientele to help them break habits help break the help them break 30, 40, 50 years of doing things a certain way, and then having to retrain their brain to think differently, to allow them to get to their goals. I love that, especially that psychology part and pulling that aspect in just because so much of training is mental. Um, Mm -hmm. Like you said, it's breaking the habits. It's even just like showing up and performing day to day or like figuring out like why you're not into it that day. Right. <laughs> like there's just so much mental aspect to it. And if as the trainer, as the coach, we don't understand that, like we're doing a big disservice to people. All right. 
I know you also said you are very, or that you kind of had that same thought that I did with what you, with where you are, where you took your business. And that's like, you hated seeing the reactivity of the healthcare system and of, mm. of many therapists. I would love for you to kind of dive into that and how that's like helped you create what you have today at, at your facility. So I was going to school to be a physical therapist and, um, I'm too high, strong and anxious of an individual. And so when I was doing my observation hours in physical therapy, I kind of was turning inside and I was thinking, I don't know if I can be wearing dockers and sleeves and listening to elevator music all day long and dealing with people that are unhappy to be there because they're sick um, or they're ill or they're injured. So my thought was, why not? look at the proactive side of health and wellness versus the reactive side of health and wellness. And really what is health care? Health care is proactive work. Sick care is reactive work. So as I was um, working as a personal trainer, I looked at the market and I saw a gap in that more in the market of personal training here in the uh, San Joaquin Valley as to where trainers can go to work full-time as personal trainers, as a profession, and make great money, um, as opposed to working in a gym, in a corporate setting, where you're stuck with um, the parameters and the ceiling, if you would, that is placed upon you when you do work for a gym. And it has its place, and it's, and it's a great entry-level position for somebody, but it'd be like if a physical therapist just worked at a gym and never graduated to owning their own facility or um, having a, a, a book of business of their own and, and running it like so. So I started writing the business plan to Synergy to incorporate having more trainers that had that capacity to, to flourish and to, and to make a really good business out of, out of personal training. And so um, that's on the business side of things where the whole reactive side kind of stemmed from. And then from the, on a personal level, um, I want people to age well. I don't want them to <laughs> die well. I want them to age well. Uh, well, no, I do want them to die well, but I don't want them to, to die sick. I want them to, to, to die running, basically. And so um, taking my older clientele and giving them, one, giving them so much more confidence and life back, that is a huge um blessing, if you would, as, as part of the job, I enjoy, and I, and I really get excited when I hear clients, especially my older ones talk about a situation in their life where they were able to do something that they otherwise didn't think they could do or physically would be able to do. And they've overcome, um, mental and physical adversity because of the type of training that we do. And that type of training is just dynamic, functional training. And I think sometimes those words get kind of tossed around as buzzwords. And, and I think trainers kind of, they use those to, I don't know, sell. It's a sales pitch. So I, I try to stay away from it just because it got a little, um, uh, I don't know, tainted as far as the way that trainers treat that, those, those terms. Um, and just because you're doing a, um, a transverse deadlift press 
doesn't mean you're doing just functional training. It, um, but there, there could be a reason why you're doing that. Is the person suffering from balance issues? Do they have um, a hard time, you know, tipping over and standing back up? And so kind of identifying why the individual is stuck, where they're stuck at, and then applying applied kinesiology, applying what it is that um, they need to do in order to function better, where the functional part comes in. So again, if you can't define what functional training is outside of just, oh, it's so that you can function better, you know, then there's kind of a, a little, a little bit of a problem there. So some of these words and some of these trends, they, they, they tend to get a little bit um, uh, frustrating because you have the, you know, $9 personal trainer throwing them around and, you know, saying he's qualified to, to help people. So we all start somewhere, so I'm not hating on them. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. We all do start somewhere. Um, I like how you describe that. And it kind of goes along the same theory of like, it's a word I've used for a long time and I didn't really put it like connect it to what you said until just now, but I use like train with purpose all the time. Like mm -hmm. there's a time and a place for every single movement possible. Sure. It's just a matter of like, do you know the purpose of what you're doing right now? Right. You know, and that really ties into that true, like training for function. And that, and that really should, that gives the client a great respect for what you're doing with them when they know that what they're doing in the gym with you or in the training studio with you is directly applied to what they are experiencing in their own life. And so when you can convey that, and here's where uh, communication skills comes in, when you can convey those messages to your clientele, they value you a lot more. And so when you see trainers struggling, they're, they have the right intent purposes, but sometimes they lack the communication skills to convey why it is they're doing what they're doing and how it is going to help the client be better off. Mm -hmm. I think too, and, and I'm curious on your thoughts on this, but I think too, like none of people question the, the client on why, as far as like, you lose your balance with this. Like, can you like, what is your body feeling at the time? Or, you know, mm -hmm. what's, what's contributing to that rather than just like, all right, let's just do an balance exercise or do something to challenge the balance, like really figure out what is it about that that's causing it too. And really diving into that. Yeah. And that's where you, that's where you follow the kinetic chain and you start with the ankles and um, with, you know, uh, my original certificate from NASA National Academy of Sports Medicine, they're real, they were really big on the kinetic chain and, and starting off uh, from the bottom and working your way up and finding where those imbalances take place and then doing corrective exercises to help with those imbalances. So if I have an individual who is struggling in one specific area, I regress the, and that's this is what I tell trainers all the time. One of the greatest arts of being a phenomenal personal trainer is being able to regress and progress movement accordingly. So you can take any, I love telling a 70 year old, you know, woman that we're going to do push-ups and pull-ups today. And they're like, what, what do you mean? We're going to do push-ups and pull-ups today. And then I show them the regressed version using the Smith rack and taking that bar and putting it at the level at which they can perform a proper range of motion push-up based on their strength and, and ability. 
and then doing the same thing for the pull-up too. So I've always loved a Smith rack simply for the, the use of that adjustable bar up and down to help put that plane on a, on a level at which the, the client can function well with and that confidence of saying, oh my gosh, now I have a path to doing a push-up because that path is marked by little increments all the way down and they can see that. And so we can show here's our regression, but look, this, look at where we're going to progress to. And you can progress really fast with people on push-ups. That's one of the things that most people can't do. And a lot of people can't do pull-ups as well. So same thing for the pull-up, you put it up at a, at a chest height level, have them grab with an overhand grip, have them slip their feet um, as far as they can underneath the bar, fall back into an extended arm position, and then pull their chest up to the bar, similar to a seated row or a lat pull down, if you would. But they're pulling their own body weight and they start to get this idea of, I don't need machines in order to perform these types of movements that are going to lead me to the full-on push-up or the full-on pull-up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you made a good point that I think a lot of people um, or just people training on their own miss. And that's like getting that full range of motion. Like a lot of times, um, you know, how many times do we see those half pull-ups or half push-ups from people just because they don't have the strength to that full depth. And I think it's really key to to hone in on those, like, let's modify it, let's regress in order to get that full range of motion, because that is how you make progress. That's where I struggle with boot camps and uh, large group um, fitness. When you don't have the right equipment to accommodate everybody, you see people doing push-ups on the floor, and they're not really doing a push-up, they're doing a shoulder press, and then their traps are getting are engaged. And they're already stressed out because all they've ever used is their traps to lift something up. Now you have this greater imbalance that you're creating in the traps and in the shoulders from this pressing motion that resembles a push-up, but it is not a push-up. So teaching people to disengage certain muscles and engage the proper muscles is huge. I worked with a client this morning who's trained with various trainers and she's never had the trainer who just stops them from or stops her from doing it incorrectly and and helping that individual find the muscles that are supposed to be engaged when doing a certain exercise. And I think today it was a lat row and or a, a, a lat pull down, and the individual was so used to using her biceps and her traps to pull that bar down that. Um, she just kept doing it that way because she wanted to see how much she can lift and the trainers in the past wanted to see how much she can lift. And it's, it's such that it's, it's ego lifting is what it is. Mm-hmm. It's not functional. It's not, it doesn't, doesn't do much other than make your traps a lot bigger and sore <laughs> right. and that type of thing. So if you want to focus on your lats, you have to, you have to change the, the range of motion. And, and typically the simplest change for a lat pull down is taking from a a neutral plane of views, looking straight ahead and looking up and there, you know, on my lap pull down machine, there's a screw that's a little bit higher on it. And I tell them to put their focal point there. And what that'll do is it automatically disengages their traps because of the, re- the, the way their neck is angled and they have to perform a lap pull down properly, just simply because of the, that small little tweak that we can do. And then I spot and cue um, tactilely uh, and, and push on their lats and say, here's where you're going to be pulling and feeling this. And after doing it over and over and over again, they're finally saying, Oh, now I can feel 
those muscles. And if they don't have those muscles, it's understandable. They can't just feel it. And when a trainer says, oh, squeeze here. And they're like, I don't know where here is. They don't have those muscles. <laughs> right. Or at least so the brain has to connect the dots. <laughs> yeah. So again, this goes back to communication and to um, being a little bit more thorough on your education when it comes to how you're going to work with some or what type of population you're going to work with. Yeah. And I think it's important to point out too, that when you are like retraining that movement pattern, like it can be an ego hit to the person because all of a sudden, like whatever weight you were lifting before you're lifting about half that weight because you're like teaching everything how to work better in the process and re- and that body's learning. Um, so it can be a little bit of an ego hit there and like just getting someone to like, you need those communication skills to get that buy-in of like, yes, we're backing down the weight right now, but it will increase like once your body learns how to move. Yeah. One thing that I really pride myself on at my, with my studio synergy is that all of the trainers, we all work together. We all say hi to each other's clientele We're we're, um, it's a very friendly, it's a safe place for people to kind of check their egos at the door and, and come in and, and know that um, we're practitioners and we're working to help them better themselves we're not just there to see how much they can PR on. Now, if we say, you know, hey, here's where we're at. We're really excited about, you know, your progress. Today, we're going to PR on something. Then by all means, it, it, it kind of, the hat turns around and it, and it becomes more of a, yes, there's ego pride. And we can, we can incorporate that in, but there's a time and a place. So I've kind of, I like to say, I kind of bridge that gap between physical therapy and athletic performance training. There's a, there's a medium, there's a middle ground where people, they need to function well, but they want to perform well as well. So you take the function from rehab and you take the performance from athletic training and you kind of soften up the, 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 the range, I guess you could say from being on one side or having to be on the other. There's a middle ground there. That's um, what we do here at Synergy. Yeah. And I think that's the, like, that's the magic point where that resiliency and longevity comes. Um, Absolutely. Like so yeah. many people just want to like, I have this goal race in six months and I'm going to do whatever it takes to do that and forget about the fact that they probably want to race in 10 to 20 years from now, or at least be able to function as a human in 10 to 20 years. And right. what they do today makes such a big difference on that. And that's what I call painting the picture. And so when somebody does come to us with a short-term goal, I help them, we we paint a path to that short-term goal, but then I I kind of forecast past that a little bit as well too, because I also want retention from a business standpoint as well. And so if Martha's going to run her first Spartan race and it's going to be a sprint and she's super excited about this, that's great. And then, you know, you kind of paint that next picture of, have you ever thought of running a trifecta, you know, running a super and then running a beast. And they're like, oh my gosh, I can't even fathom running 13 miles or whatever it may be. And, and you're like, that's fine. Let's go ahead and start here. And then that's the good thing about Spartan is once you kind of get bit by the Spartan bug, it kind of, (laughs) it it holds on tight to you and it doesn't let you go, which is, which is good for business. If you're an OCR coach, because you know, you keep on painting that next race, that next picture. And uh, with the gal that you interviewed, Nicole, um, I literally took her from being this skittish, I call her a bull in a China store, you know, type of a runner and really polished the edges to this really nice blade that has a lot of skill 
and a lot of talent and a lot of power and was able to make it that much more useful and and independent of a of a of an athlete and um and so that again goes to back to that progression and and now we're working on her first 24-hour race coming up in several months and so that's you know our next goal and i'm gonna i'll be pitting for her at that race and it's just these type of short-term and long-term goals make a huge difference when it comes to one the longevity of the client client for you but also for the person's ability to paint those long-term goals for themselves absent of the trainer as well how do i want to see myself you know at 50 at 60 at 70 and when people are struggling with either addictions or with um things that are mentally holding them back i try to help them paint themselves into the future and say what do you think this is going to look like if we're 40 and struggling with this now how hard do you think this is going to be at 50 and 60? Right now, we have an opportunity to work on this, fix this, and set up a better course for the next 10 years, 20 years, and whatnot. And so that, again, goes back to those psychology and communication skills to help the, the clientele um, just see better. And I mean, maybe that's what it comes down to is, is how, do you, how do you help your clients see? What, what is their vision? like and if you can help them improve their vision then you can help them improve their life that's awesome we can almost end it right there that's a beautiful statement <laughs> well, we are <laughs> <laughs> let's take a quick break now to talk about naboso technology i absolutely love training barefoot for the power it gives me but when I use Naboso, it really ups my game even more. Whether I am using the Naboso mat or using the Naboso insoles inside my shoes, that feedback it provides me onto my feet really enhance my performance. I would love for you to test out Naboso for yourself. Head over to naboso-technology.com to check out all of their amazing products. And if you use code GETYOURFIX at checkout, you can also save 10%. You can also head over to getyourfixpt.com partners and check out Naboso and all my other great partners. Now let's get back to the conversation. Switching gears just a little bit, not a ton, um, I know we, you talked a lot when we, or a little bit when we spoke before about, um, being intuitive with your training and really like adjusting it based on how that person presents when they walk in the door. Like you may have this game plan, but they may walk in, in like this crabby mood, stress from work and like how, like, what are you not going to say paying attention to, but what are you doing on a, like a day-to-day -day basis with your clients to like adjust accordingly based on how they're feeling? So if um, it, 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 it honestly, it depends on, you know, situation to situation, but there's a, I mean, I'm so intuitive with my clientele that I can, when I watch them walk through the door and when I greet them, I can, I just start to read their body language. I start to um, uh, gauge their tone um, 
I, I listen, I actively listen without them having to say anything. If over 80% of our communication is nonverbal, then all we have to do is watch, watch more and really pick up on what their body is telling us. And, and then and ask and the, the simple way is to just ask too, hey, Martha, how are you doing today? And stuff. And so when you get that, when you get the feedback verbally and non-verbally, then you can kind of gauge at that point. But I've had clients come in where I thought we were going to be hammering, you know, a really strong dynamic workout. And they kind of come in, you know, they, they, their kids were up late and then Johnny threw up on the way to school this morning and she had to go back and now she was late. And there's all this stress that kind of piled on. So instead, I call them long workouts and not long as in duration, but long as in range of motion. So when your body is under stress, you tend to kind of bring everything inwards. And what better way to leave a workout than feeling decompressed of all of that inward stress? So I, I kind of switch gears from doing, if it was, if it was supposed to be a hang clean exercise, then we do a deadlift press with a, a lighter weight and more reps and just really kind of move that low back around, get that low back to loosen up those hamstrings, those glutes, the shoulders. Um, I do a lot of reverse flies and rowing exercises because tension usually builds up in those trap, in the trap area and um, in that low back. And so we can do exercises that, that facilitate beautiful range of motion in those areas, then it helps that person leave feeling better than when they walked through the door. So just again, gauging how they're feeling, what their body is telling me. Um, if I know that we hammered legs really, really hard on, on, you know, day two and on day three, uh, we're supposed to be doing a, um, a heavy shoulder workout, but I can tell that they're, they're, they're still like just limping from the leg workout and limping, but you know what I mean? Just kind of struggling from the leg workout then I was like, hey, you know what, let's just do a long workout instead and go through some um, transverse exercises so that we can get that body moving from side to side because everything wants to kind of cramp downwards and whatnot. So again, everything from what they say to the way they walk to, um, to the day that they've had kind of allows me to gauge at what speed I want to take the workout. So nothing is set in stone. I'm not a clipboard trainer. I'm not really, I'm not, <laughs> I always like to say, I'm not a really good trainer in the sense that I don't do clipboards. I don't do numbers. I've, I rarely do a lot of, of, of weight measurements and that type of things. Cause at the end of the day, you know, those things, although they matter when it comes to progress, I don't want people getting hung up on, and this goes into a whole nother topic, intrinsic versus extrinsic goal setting. So I want their goal setting to be based on intrinsic values, not extrinsic accomplishments. So to run that race is an extrinsic goal. What is the intrinsic value of that extrinsic goal? And how are we going to take that intrinsic value and build it across the path of life, so to speak, so that when that extrinsic goal is taken away from you, you are not lost. Hence the pandemic. Mm -hmm. A lot of people shut down because, oh my gosh, there's no more Spartan racing. What am I going to train for? You shouldn't even ask that question. That is the, that is the most unhealthy, I shouldn't say most, but that is such an unhealthy mindset to have. You know, Nicole and I, we never missed a day. 
we're, we're training yeah. for when we when we go again. We're training for life. We're training because this is what we do. We train. We just train. We wake up and we train. You know, um, type of a deal. So again, that goes back to intrinsic value versus extrinsic value. And when you see somebody fall apart because, oh my gosh, my gym closed. Well, that's fine. That's no big deal. That's an extrinsic, you know, um, place or or whatever. Um, you have to be able to do things for yourself. So again, I just segued into a whole new topic of extrinsic versus intrinsic goal setting and, and frame of mind. No, I think that's an important topic to have. And when you started saying it, I had the same thought about COVID as well. Like how many people just like shut down because they had no races to train for. And so I'd start to ask people like, well, why, like, what got you into this in the first place? Like, why did you start exercising? And, um, some people sort of just like to race <laughs> but, right. for um, extrinsic, extrinsic reasons. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like for me, yes, competing and racing is fun, but it really is just about life. Like I want to be able to carry that 50 pound something by myself without having to ha- ask for help for it, you know, and like yep. just being able to function as a human, I like, it's important. Oh, I was going to ask you, um, how often, if ever, like, do you see someone walk in just so exhausted that it's either just a, like, we're just doing a day of body weight moving or you flatter, like you're going home, like you're too tired right now. I've never, I've never sent somebody home. And, and the reason is because movement is medicine mm-hmm. and unless they're, and they wouldn't, and no, nobody's ever been silly enough to do this, but unless you're coughing up a lung and running a stupid high fever, like I wouldn't send you home. If you come to me beaten, battered, broken, distressed, all of the negative possible things you can possibly think of other than being literally sick, you know, then I've got a cure for you. And that's the the movement that we're going to be able to do. And the banter that we're going to be able to share and the, the humor and the fun and the camaraderie and the relationship that I have with my clientele. Um, so, you know, across the board, male and female, young and old, uh, there's a relationship that that's, that's there. And that's another thing that I love about the personal training world versus a corporate setting or even a physical therapy setting. Um, there is a gray, a really gray area that a lot of professionals can't cross mm-hmm. and and they won't because it, their, their, their licenses and that type of stuff can be on the line when it comes to uh, the type of, of behavior that takes place between them and their clientele. Um, and in the personal training world, this is an at-will type of arrangement. This is not a corporation. This is not a, this is something that I can do in a garage. And this is something that I can do at a park. I can do this anywhere. And so you have the choice to come to me or not come to me. um, If you so choose that being said, that, that gray area of, of friendship, camaraderie and whatnot is there to um, help be able to talk about more personal matters with your clientele and, and help them over that little hump. You don't just have to listen to them and just kind of agree with them because they're the client and that's what, you know, you just need to do for the day. And so I'm a very blunt and honest person. And so when somebody is, is feeding themselves a load of shit, I'll tell them, I'm like, 
man, you are really just lying to yourself right now about this situation, whatever it is, personal, financial, business-wise, whatever it is, and and just kind of give it to them straight. And that's that's one thing that I, I pride myself on is, is, is being, and my clients, they appreciate too, is I don't pull any punches and I don't hesitate to, to, to call it like I, like I see it and whatnot. I had a great conversation with a client this morning up, you know, regarding a relationship and, and, and how, you know, if they allow this to happen, you know, this is, that's on them, you know, you got to own that at the end of the day. And so, so yeah, um, I don't even remember what your original question was, but that's my answer to it. <laughs> that's all right. Rarely do conversations go any direction I intend. So that's oh, fine. I'm a total squirrel. I go all over the place. Squirrel. How do you go about addressing um like sleep, managing stress levels, all of those sorts of things with your clients? That to me is an easy one. And the reason why I say that is because I think about vices. Vices being caffeine, vices being um, partying or staying out late, vices being alcohol. Those are all little things that we all like to participate in. I shouldn't say all, that people like to participate in, but they have to be earned. So what I like to tell people when it comes to sleep, when it comes to, to drinking enough water, if you do all the things that you're supposed to be doing on a weekly basis, then you're allowed to push those lines a little bit as to what is healthy and what is not healthy. And you can enjoy living life. And whether it be partying, whether it be drinking, whether it be smoking a cigar, whatever it is, you know, you, you can do that type of stuff, but you got to be healthy in order to do it. And so my rule for caffeine for myself is if I'm tired, I do not drink caffeine. So if I've gotten six hours of sleep and I'm not feeling sluggish or tired, I allow myself to be able to have up to 300 milligrams of caffeine per day. Uh, typically in the morning, everything before 12 o'clock, that way I can get it out of my system before going to bed early in the evening. Um, so that's my rule there. If I'm, if I'm, struggling mentally, we'll call it depressed for lack of a better word. If I'm depressed, if I'm anxious, if I don't feel good mentally, I do not drink alcohol. There's no, that, that, that's, that's off the table at that point. Um, if I know I'm dehydrated and I haven't been drinking all my water all day long and whatnot, I won't allow myself to drink alcohol again. So I put, I put healthy boundary or parameters on those things that we do like to indulge in and whatnot. Um, and I call it buying, buying time. And I do this with my wife, you know, if I've done all of my, my honeydews, you know, and I want to have a night with the guys, or if I want to, um, you know, go out on a mountain bike trip by myself or whatever it may be, I know that I've put in the, all my work, all my chores are done so that <laughs> I can allow myself this so that I don't feel guilty about, you know, taking time to myself. And, and, and going off and doing my own thing. So the same thing kind of applies for um, health and wellness as well. So how do I address that with my clientele is I just say, you got to earn it. And I look at everything, everybody understands money to some degree. If I don't have money in the bank, I can't be spending on credit. That's just not, you can't do that. So if you're, you know, I use this for my obese clients. If you're obese, I don't want you telling me, I just had one piece of cake on the weekend. You're, you're, you're in debt, quit spending money, you know, 
type of a deal. And, and people get that, 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 that concept and whatnot. So um, again, being able to communicate and putting it into terms that the client understands. The, the easiest thing for me too is taking a client and understanding what they do for a living and then just turning those terms around and using their lingo in order for them to understand what it is that I'm trying to convey to them. Because it is interesting how many times I can say, put your right foot forward and like their left arm goes out to the side, their, you know, their head goes back, their, you know, left foot goes to the side. I'm like, Jesus Christ, right foot forward. I mean, I can't say it any more clear, but that's the thing. If, if, if they struggle with right foot forward from a, you know, motor moron type of a, of a perspective, they're going to struggle with all the other things you're throwing at them too. So again, being a good communicator and being able to find the right phrase that you can see the little aha kick in in their head. That's how, you know, you communicate better with clientele. Yeah. Awesome. Um, the other reason is very helpful to have all sorts of cues in your head toolbox in order to like throw all possible variations of right. words out to people. Right. And I, I, last resort, I just physically do it. I grab the foot and I put it where I need it. I'm like, right. this is where it goes. <laughs> I'm like, okay. My favorite is like, well, why didn't you just say that? I'm like, oh my God. Okay. We're going to move on. We're going to keep going. <laughs> right. Tape mark on the floor. Go there. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Walt, you have thrown out a ton of great information today. Um, if someone wants, has more questions for you, wants to reach out to you, where can people find you? I'm uh, on my social media. That's the easiest one. Um, on, on Instagram, Walt underscore G. So Walt underscore G for Instagram and then Walt Gonzalez on Facebook. Awesome. Well, thank yep. you again so much for your time today. I greatly appreciate it. Thank you, Brian. I really hope you enjoyed that conversation today. And before we close out, I want to share with you a program I have called Resilient Shoulders. As OCR athletes, shoulder issues are very common. And if you are like most athletes, you use the lacrosse ball, you stretch, you do all of these things to try to improve the mobility of the shoulders. And yet you continue to have pain. Many times it's because the right things are not being done to really solve those problems, those underlying issues. And that's why I created Resilient Shoulders. Resilient Shoulders is an online platform that gives you the necessary things to do to resolve your shoulder issues, as well as minimize the risk of more issues happening in the future. So head over to getyourfixpt.com courses to check out the Resilient Shoulder course, as well as my other online programs. And once again, thank you so much for listening today. I really hope you enjoyed it. And now let's go out and be highly functional.